0: This morning, look with me in Luke chapter 2. I won't keep you long. I know that uh, different type of service this morning, but I want us to point out the angels' plea for peace. And when I think about that, I think about their declaration of peace. And we see that all throughout Scripture. But uh, look with me first off as we get started. In Luke chapter 2, and I want to draw your attention. Start with me, and we're going to begin reading down in verse number 8. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the reading of it. Lord, I pray now that you'll be with me and give me your thoughts. Give me your words and give me your desire today and that we might see you work and move amongst your people. Lord, I pray that if there's somebody that is yet to experience this ultimate peace that your word speaks about, that Lord, today might be that ultimate day when they might recognize their need and trust Christ as their Savior. Lord, we'll be careful to give you the praise and the honor and the glory for it all. For it's in Jesus' precious name that we do pray, and for His sake all of God's children said amen and amen. Well, here we are as we're continuing to revisit the uh, details surrounding the birth of Jesus Christ, that unspeakable gift. When you look in Scripture, the Bible declares that Jesus is that unspeakable gift that came down from God the Father and came to humankind. And as you look at the story, there are certainly some strange there's certainly some, some, uh, some uh, over-the-top supernatural things, surprising elements that take place in this story. And in fact, I think I gave it to the guys, it's been said that if we were to take the supernatural out of Christmas and Christianity, that all you and I would have left <laughs> is a religious book club. Seriously, when we think about it all, we think about a virgin teenager becoming pregnant. We think about a fiancé remaining faithful, even though the child was not his. We think about a a road trip, an 80-mile road trip for a pregnant woman. Uh, Stephanie, how does that sound? (laughs) Stephanie, an (laughs) 80-mile road trip to Bethlehem, uh, birth in a barn, shepherds leaving their sheep, uh, a star, uh, wise men traveling all across the desert following this star. What an amazing story. We see messages through dreams. And to top it off, here today we see angels appearing at every turn. What an incredible story. And last week I talked to you about the hope of Isaiah. And we talked about the prophecies and promises that we found in Scripture concerning the sign and the sun. And we talked about that stump coming out of uh, uh, the shoot coming out of a stump, if you please, and the suffering Savior that we find all the way back 700 years before Jesus was even born and those prophecies of Isaiah. Oh yes, the Christmas story is saturated with the supernatural. But I'm afraid that many people, even today, we miss the meaning of Christmas year after year after year because we just skim by on the surface rather than digging deep into the supernatural aspects of the story. And so today even including the role of the angels. And uh, today I want us to consider their plea for peace. Did you know that the angels actually appear in more than half the books of the Bible? In fact, there are more than 300 total references to angels, but the responsibilities of angels are pretty straightforward. Number one, they were to magnify. they were to magnify God. Adoring and magnifying God is their number one purpose. Number two, they're messengers of God. In fact, in Scripture, you'll find that the very term angel actually means messenger. It means a messenger. And so this is what their job was. By the way, in Scripture, you find sometimes angels were sent to share good news. Anybody like good news? I like good news. Uh, how do you feel about bad news? Not so much. Do you know that in the book of the Revelation, the Bible talks about angels uh, the, the talks about the book of Revelation being full of avenging angels. And so sometimes not only did they declare good news, but sometimes God sent them to declare not-so-good news. But also I find in Scripture that angels were to minister to people, people just like you and me. In fact, Hebrews chapter 1 and verse number 14, the Bible puts it this way by saying, are they, watch it, it says, are they, speaking of angels, Not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for them who shall be heirs of salvation. Oh, what a wonderful thing to think about that God even thought about you and me to use His heavenly host, His angels, to minister to us as benefactors of His love and His grace and His truth. And the fact that you and I, one day, we will be with the Lord throughout all eternity. Does that sound good? Does that sound good this morning? And they're sent to minister to us. In fact, even in the Christmas story, uh, angels are seen all the time. But did you know that sometimes angels are not seen? In fact, the book of Hebrews even tells us this. The writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 13 reminds us that sometimes angels are those uh, that you and I have entertained angels, so to speak, unawares. We don't really know that they're angels, but they are angels. Yes, even Cousin Eddie in your family that sometimes at Thanksgiving and Christmas you might have a problem with. Maybe the Lord uses him or her this season to be an angel. Who knows? God's in charge of it all. Honestly, it's important, though, to consider the angels. And it's improbable that you and I could read or that you and I could comprehend the Christmas story without thinking about angels because every passage that we read about the Christmas story In the New Testament especially, we find angels busy at work. And so uh, what's incredible to me is that this magnificent story, who does God trust? He trusts His angels, His heavenly host, to declare what's going to take place. And as we look at some familiar passages quickly this morning, I beg you uh, not to allow that old phrase. You know what they say, familiarity breeds what? Contempt. I'm afraid that we're guilty of that sometimes when we read about the angels, when we read about the Christmas story, when we read the stories about Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and the wise men and the prophecies of Isaiah that we talked about last week, sometimes this is what we do. We go, I've heard it all before, oh my friends. I've heard, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son Uh, Many times before, but it never loses its splendor. It never loses its wonder. Oh, because it saved a wretch just like me. Oh, I once was blind, but now I see. Oh, remember, when you look at the story, you have to remember that angels, by the time they start appearing, it's been 700 years since Isaiah prophesied about the hope that was coming. And guess what? Since the time of Malachi, it's been 400 years, and God has been silent. Up to this point, even though people, much like Isaiah, you remember we talked about last week in Isaiah 64.1, even though people for hundreds of years were certainly praying and pleading for God to come down and to do something huge. In fact, in Isaiah 64.1, these are the words that Isaiah said. He said, oh, that thou wouldest rend the heavens and thou wouldest come down. But up to this point, absolutely nothing. As we get started, a few observations should be made about these angels in the Christmas story and in other times. Number one is they appear suddenly. Number two is that sometimes, not sometimes, really basically all the time, when the angels appear, what happens? Immediately people are scared. Fear, great fear, awe, and wonder comes upon everyone that sees an angel. Let me ask you a question. If an angel appeared in the physical sense today, what would you think? I think you'd probably start to think coronavirus wasn't such a big deal. You'd say, whoa, oh, there are angels. Oh, oh, God's really in charge. See, angels brought this idea. They would show up to ordinary people doing ordinary things. They would show up and people would great fear, great trouble would come upon people. And then also angels, I see in the Christmas story and other places that angels are not to be adored, they're not to be worshiped. And yet sometimes I find in some trains of thought, that's exactly what people do. But Scripture is pretty clear. Every reference to an angel in Scripture is incidental to some other topic that's taking place in Scripture. In fact, the psalmist writes in Psalm 103 in verse 20, notice he says, Bless the Lord because, this is why he says bless the Lord, he says because his angels that excel in strength That to do his commandments, hearken unto the voice of the word uh, of his word. So, in other words, angels do God's bidding. So, guess what? We ought to say, Bless the Lord. We ought to say, Praise the Lord. Because when angels appear, they're on a mission. They're on a mission. They're God's messengers. And so, that's what we find in this Christmas story. We're also told in scriptures never to seek out encounters with angels. And by the way, other than that old fallen angel, You know, Lucifer, the devil, uh, angels don't really want you to worship them. Did you know that? In Scripture, angels don't want you to worship them, so don't get caught up with some uh, doctrinal error in your life because they don't want you to worship them. In fact, if you look at the book of the Revelation, in Revelation chapter 22, you remember the story in verses 8 and 9. John actually, when he sees everything that's taking place, he actually drops down. And he gets ready and he wants to worship an angel. But in verse number 9 of Revelation 22, you can look it up for yourself. The angel tells John to stop and worship God. He says, you don't worship me, you better worship God. Because God's the one that's making all these things possible. And so you can find that angels do not wish to be worshipped. By the way, I put in my notes, good angels never draw attention to themselves. I think there's a lesson for us in that. Good, think about it. Good angels never draw attention to themselves. You know what they do? They point to Jesus. They point to God. And that's what we see. And all through Scripture, we find angels surrounding the story of Jesus Christ in his earthly ministry. We find the angels during, in Matthew chapter 4, at his temptation. We find the angels in the Garden of Gethsemane. We find angels participating at his resurrection, at his ascension in Acts chapter 1 as well. We find angels in his first event, Advent, and the Bible also tells us in Matthew chapter 25, verse number 31, that when Jesus comes again, guess who's coming? His angels. His angels. And so they're involved throughout the ministry. In each instance, Jesus is the one being magnified and he's the one being ministered to. And so if you're a note taker, look with me. I just want us to notice a few of the responses Uh, to the angels today, in the stories that we find in Scripture. But I want you to first turn back with me to Luke chapter 1. For me, it's one page in my Bible. Just turn back to Luke chapter 1. I want us to see how was the message that the angels brought, how was it received? Notice first with me, Zechariah. Zechariah denied and he doubted the message of the angels. Notice The very first appearance of an angel in any of the gospel accounts takes place here in Luke chapter 1. And by the way, just so you know, this is the angel Gabriel. Gabriel is one of only two named angels in Scripture. The other being, does anybody know? Michael. Okay, and so we have Gabriel and Michael. And so Gabriel is on the move here. God has sent him on a mission, so to speak, and he appears to Zechariah. Look with me, and if you're unfamiliar with the story, here's what's taking place. Look at verse number 7. And it says that that Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth, they had no child because that Elizabeth was barren and they were both now well stricken in years. So in other words, what Scripture is telling us in verse 7 is Elizabeth is sterile, but beyond that, uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth are, uh, how can I put it politely, a little more mature, <laughs> a little a little uh, more mature in age, and uh, so this is what Scripture reveals, and uh, the the text reveals that Zechariah, if you don't know the story, he's a priest, he works in the temple, his job, his lot, so to speak, as the Bible says, was to burn incense at the time of worship, and. Uh, Uh, From the text, you read this text, you'll find that Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth have obviously been praying for years and years for a child to no avail. The Bible tells us, look in verse number 11, that the angel, the angel actually, angel Gabriel shows up. And then in verse number 12, the Bible says, And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. Well, immediately, what you find is Gabriel tries to calm him down. This is the, the angel says, Oh, whoa, whoa, slow down, slow down. So look at verse number 13. It says, But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zechariah, for thy prayer is heard. Now hold on to that statement. He says, For thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. So the angel reveals to Zechariah that his son, John, is going to be great in the sight of the Lord. He goes on and he tells him this and uh, he re- uh, references the fact that this, this child, John, is actually going to be used by God to point other people to God's only son, Jesus. And so you see this playing out, but still what's incredible to me is that the angel says, "Hold, oh, listen, fear not. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife is going to have a child and you're going to call his name John in the midst of the angel saying, hey, listen, God heard your prayer. God answered your prayer. This is going to take place. We find a religious guy, priest in the temple, burning incense before worship, right? The angel shows up, great fear falls upon him. He's troubled at his sight. He doubts and denies what the angel is saying. Hold on to that thought for a second. Look with me at verse number 18. Jump over to verse 18. And Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am old, and my wife well stricken in years. Well, I can tell you one thing. This dude did not attend marriage counseling. Because you never, I don't care how old your wife is, you never tell anyone that your wife is old. And yet this is what Zacharias does. He says, listen, I'm old and so is my wife. How is this going to take place? And notice, it's evident that it's not just a question, but he's doubting, he's denying what the angel is going to say, what the angel has said to him. Because if you look at scripture, watch in verse 20, look what the Bible says. And behold, this is the angel's answer, and behold, thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until that day that these things shall be performed. Why? There it is. Because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. And so it goes on, and you read the rest of Luke chapter 1, and you have to get over past where the angel visits Mary, and you go in Luke chapter 1 over to verse number 64, And the angel tells him, says, listen, you're not going to be able to speak. You're not opening up your mouth. You're not doing anything until what I just told you is fulfilled. And you find in verse number 64, if you jump over, that they're asking what the child's name will be. And so what we find is eight days after Elizabeth gives birth, Zacharias is given a tablet to basically reveal what the child's name will be because everybody's saying, oh, is that Zacharias Jr.? Oh, is it going to be little Zacharias? Is it going to be little little E or whatever, right? And he writes on the table. He says, no, the child's name will be John. And immediately, look what the Bible says in verse number 64. It says, Zacharias' mouth was opened and immediately his tongue loosed and he spake. And what's the first thing he spake? He started praising God. Here's a guy who doubts. He denies the message. The angel says, good, you want to be a doubter? You want to deny what God is going to do in your life? He said, guess what? Your mouth's going to be shut. You're not going to be able to speak until you see the fulfillment of what I'm telling you is about ready to happen. This was the first reception of the angel's message. But the first thing I see Zacharias doing is praising God. Have you ever been there? Have you ever doubted God? Only to see God show up and do great things which thou knowest not. Oh, by the time you get to verse number 68, the Bible says that Zechariah breaks out in a song. Oh, my friends, he might have denied and doubted at the beginning, but at the end, Zacharias is declaring the blessings of God. Now, look in the same passage because I'm moving quickly. I want you to look at verse 26 because not only do I see Zacharias denying and doubting what the angel said, but I also see Mary. Mary's not sure. She's not sure. She's not sure, but she is surrendered. Six months. Notice verse 26. It says, and in the sixth month, that literally means that six months after Elizabeth conceives this child of John, Gabriel's on the move again. God says, hey, time for you to move again, buddy. Go on down there and talk to this little teenage virgin by the name of Mary. Can you imagine it? A spouse to be the wife of of Joseph, teenager her husband probably not more than 19 years of age she's probably somewhere between 13 and 16 years of age and can you imagine the angel shows up six months later she has no clue about what's taking place with her cousin Elizabeth but here's what the scripture says it says that in verse 26 and 27 the angel is sent and he appears to this virgin named Mary and in verse 29 look with me it says, and when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. There it is again. Fear, fear, this wonder, this awe, this, this, this anticipation. What is taking place now? Comes over Mary. But then also if you look at verse 30, what does the angel do? The same thing he did with Zacharias. He says, fear not. He offers words of comfort to Mary. And if you read on in the scripture, you'll find in verse 31, that she's going to receive, uh, she's going to conceive and bring forth a son, and he tells her, he says, "You're going to call his name Jesus." Huh. Hold on to that thought too. She goes. He goes in verse thirty-two. He says, "He's going to be great. He's going to be the son of the highest." Oh, listen, the Lord's going to give unto him the throne of his father David. And then in verse number three, he says, "And of his kingdom there shall be no end. It's going to go on and on and on and on." And imagine yourself, ladies, as a teenage girl. An angel shows up and tells you, I got good news for you. You're going to conceive. What? I know not a man. How is this going to happen? How is this going to take place that I'm going to conceive a child? I'm going to call his name. You're telling me what I'm going to name my child. By the way, uh, typically, I decide what I'm going to call my child. So now you're telling me I got to take the name you give my child. You're also telling me that he's going to be this, he's going to be that, he's going to have this kingdom. I'm not real sure what's taking place because guess what? For over 700 years, people have waited for God to send his son. 400 years has been silent. And now an angel is appearing to me, telling me this. And so you read on in the story. I can only imagine what's going on in her heart. Zechariah doubts the angel's message, but Mary's not sure. Look down at verse number 34. And Mary says unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? He answers her in verse 35. The answer that seems logical. You guys aren't with me. He says, seems logical. Look at verse 35. He says, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Right. Right. Right, Gabriel. Because that happens all the time. God sends uh, the Holy Ghost upon teenage girls, and they conceive children without men all the time. I learned that in, uh, in family uh, planning 101 down at the Jewish synagogue. No, she didn't. That wasn't right. I can only imagine her thoughts. Okay, so if you're telling me that God wants me to be scorned, if you're telling me that God wants me to be ridiculed, if you're telling me that God wants my fiancé, my husband, to be embarrassed, to be ridiculed, to be mocked, in the marketplace, if you're telling me that I have to open up myself to possible death, because guess what? Her being found with child was a criminal offense, punishable by death. You can go back to the book of Deuteronomy to find that. So think about it again, ladies. You're a teenage girl, and an angel shows up and says, guess what? You're going to conceive of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and you're going to conceive a child and you're going to call his name Jesus and he's going to be great and he's going to do all these things. What's your response then? Oh, my friends, the angel's influence is overwhelming, but the response of this teenager boggles the human mind. Look at verse 38. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord. Watch these words. Be it unto me according to thy word, and the angel departed from her. Not sure, but surrendered to what God wanted for her. It was John Wesley who believed that it might have been this exact moment. Verse 38, he believes that it might have been this exact moment when the young virgin, because of her humble faith, because of her consent, and because of her expectation might have actually conceived the Christ child. As soon as she said, be it unto me according to thy word, John Wesley believed that that was the moment that the Holy Ghost came upon Mary and said, you're not sure, but you're surrendered. I got good news for you. Boom, you're going to have a child. Oh, my friends, Mary may not have been sure, but she was surrendered to what God had for her life. Including the scorn, including the ridicule, including possible death sentence, including embarrassment, including divorce, and all these other things that were probably running rampant in her mind. This is the supernatural story of the angels being a participant in the supernatural birth of Jesus Christ. Flip backward to me, excuse me, with me to Matthew chapter 1. In Matthew chapter 1, we find the story of Joseph, and I find that Joseph not only accepted what the angel says, but I find Joseph acting on what the angel says. And from scripture, it's obvious that Joseph needed a little divine intervention. Have you ever needed divine intervention in your life? You ever started to make plans that didn't work out, and you're like, Lord, I need some help? It's clear that Joseph needed a little divine intervention. Look at verse number 18, because the Bible says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when, as his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph, before, underlined in my Bible, they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. And so Joseph knows he's not the father, but he also knows that his reputation is at stake. From a young teenager boy's perspective, men... Let's be real today, guys. How do you feel? All of a sudden, your fiance shows up pregnant. What's your immediate thought? Somebody's been messing around in the hen house. That's your immediate thought. Let's not be, let's not be pulling punches here. That's exactly what you're thinking. You're thinking, what's going on? Mary has been unfaithful. There's no way I can marry her. I need to put her her away and get a a decree of divorce. By the way, she's pregnant. She's a spouse to me. She could die. So what are you thinking? I have to read into the story and see what Joseph was thinking. In fact, if you go on and look at verse number 19, the Bible says that Joseph, being a just man... This means that Joseph was a strict observer of the law. But I also see in verse number 19 that Joseph is kind, he's tender, and he's merciful. Because look at the end. It says, it says, Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not willing, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. Oh, listen. Verse 20. Reminds us that Joseph takes time to think about what's going on. He takes time to consider what's going on in this situation. In fact, in the midst of his apparent uh, misery, he gets advice from the angel. And by the way, the angel is not named here, but it's more than likely Gabriel. And I don't have biblical proof to say that, but I'm just telling you it's not named. But Gabriel is involved in every other instant, and so there's no reason to doubt that. And look at verse 20. Read verse 20 and 21. It says, but while he thought on these things. So here's the cool thing. Joseph's not hasty. He says, hey, I'm going to take a few few days. I'm going to take some time to think about this before I make a hasty decision. And it says, and while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, And I'm sure at that moment, Joseph's thinking, right, because that happens every day. The same as Mary would have thought. But the angel says, don't fear to take her, because that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And verse 21, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Oh, my friends, through the angel's message, Joseph gets a little taste. He gets a little glimpse of the glory of Jesus Christ. He sees what's going to take place through this child Jesus when the angel says, hey, listen, he's going to save his people from their sins. Not only does the angel confirm with Joseph what the angel told Mary about his name, but the angel goes a step further and says, guess what? His name is Jesus, and guess what? He's going to save his people from their sins can you imagine Joseph what he's thinking about the angel's message oh my friends in verses 22 and 23 you can see that the angel reveals that the son that that Mary shall bear is literally he literally in verse 22 and 23 says that this son is the literal sign of Isaiah's prophet all the prophecy all the way back from Isaiah 714 what we talked about last week Isaiah's hope The angel tells Joseph, got news for you, buddy, that Jesus is the very sign. This son that will be born to Mary is the sign that Isaiah prophesied about so many years ago. Look at verse 24 and 25 because the Bible reveals here, it says, then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord bidden him and took unto him his wife and knew her not knew her not until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. So in other words, Joseph immediately, without hesitation, without delay, immediately accepts the message, but he also moves in the action. I got Zacharias denying and doubting. I got Mary She's not sure, but she surrendered. I got Joseph. He's accepting and is moving into action. But go back to our original text, and I'll close it up right here in our original text. Back in Luke chapter 2. In Luke chapter 2, we find the shepherds. We find the shepherds that they actually believed. These are, these are not the most religious guys in the community, if you please. I'm not, hey, being a shepherd. Might have been an honorable calling, but these are not the most religious guys in the community. And so, watch what takes place back in Luke chapter 2. It's the final exhibit, if you please, of angelic activity. And here's where God Himself sends His heavenly messengers to announce the birth of His Son to a group of shepherds. Look at verse 8, who are keeping watch over their flock by night. What did I say at the beginning? angels appear to ordinary people doing ordinary things. Shepherds are out in the middle of the night, keeping watch over their flock by night. You know the song? Silent night. Can you imagine how silent that night must have been? When the clouds broke open and the angel descends and he starts to share the good news with these shepherds of old. In fact, if you look at verse number 9, The Bible tells us, and lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they, here it is again, they're terrified, they're alarmed. It says they're sore afraid. In the midst of a silent night comes the brightness of God's glory shining around them, and realizing they're afraid, look at verse number 10. Verse number 10, the angel says those words again, he says, fear not. In other words, the angel says, hey, listen, there's no need to be afraid. There's no need to be alarmed because God actually sent me to give you some good news tonight. God actually sent me to share glad tidings of great joy with you tonight. Can you imagine the shepherds being like, what? What is going on? Think about, have you ever tried to imagine how bright the glory of God is? Can you imagine in a dark night? Out in the fields, all of a sudden, the glory of the Lord shone round about them. it's It's like a, Gordon, it's like a big production mover light. Boom! All of a sudden, on the shepherds, in the middle of darkness. I can't even begin to fathom it. But here's what we find in Scripture. The angel comes and says, hey, listen, I've come to bring you glad tidings of great joy which shall be to, as we said last week, to how many people? All people. Oh, my friends, that's good news. The good news that was revealed to them on that silent night is the same good news that's, re- that's revealed to you and me through God's Word this morning. And in verse number 11, the Bible says that the angel said, For unto you is born in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. The angel continues in verse 12 by saying this shall be a sign unto you. And you're going to find this babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And as the shepherds, I can only imagine they're trying to comprehend everything that's going on. And immediately as the angel stops at verse number 13 says immediately, suddenly, unexpectedly. By the way, that word suddenly in verse 13 means unexpectedly and without warning. There was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host. So I did a little research. I wanted to find out how many was a multitude. Have you ever done that? Tried to find out how many a multitude is? The idea behind this word is there were so many angels that they couldn't number them. Thousands and thousands of angels. Guys, wake up and hear the Christmas story again. Because the angel comes and the glory of the Lord shone round about him. He says, hey, listen. I'm bringing you glad tidings of great joy, which will be all people. And they're thinking, what is going on right now? Boom! All of a sudden, thousands of angels have joined them. And now thousands of angels are singing praises to God in the midst of a silent night. Oh, my friends, we have to see the Christmas story all over. It says, suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying these words, glory to God in the highest and on earth. There it is, peace. Goodwill toward men. In the side of my Bible, I'm going to read to you what I wrote many years ago. Peace of reconciliation had come into the world. Underneath it, I have a star, and it says, Harmony had finally come to earth. Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, the Harmony that the world was missing, had come into to the world. And God says, I'm going to share this news with the most unlikely of candidates, a group of lowly shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. Oh, can you see it? Can you imagine it? In verse fifteen and sixteen, look with me. The Bible says, "And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven." And just, thats crazy. Just as fast as they were there, they were gone. And you and I, if we saw that, we might think, "Am I seeing something? I need to go see the ophthalmologist. I need to go. I need to go have my eyes dyed and checked." And and. and and dilated and see if I'm seeing things. Maybe I just saw some spots. Maybe I just saw a thousand spots in the midst of light. Maybe I maybe I need to go to the audiologist and find out. Maybe I'm hearing things again. Oh, my friends, it says, and it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds, here's their response, they said one to another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord had made known to us. They understood that it was not the angel's message, but that it was God's message. And they said, let's go on into Bethlehem and see this thing that the Lord has made known to us. And verse 16 says, they came with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Oh, that unspeakable gift had made his way to earth in the form of a baby. And if you look at verse number 17, Keep reading, it says, And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. After believing the glad tidings of great joy, these shepherds went and saw it for themselves, and then guess what? They said, You know what? I will not be silent. Oh, my friends, it's a reminder to me, it's a reminder to all of us, that there's no way in this world that we can be silent when we consider the Christ of Christmas when we consider the angels and the glory shown round about the shepherds, when we consider the message that the Christ child was born in Bethlehem and that you would find that sign that Isaiah talked about over 700 years ago wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, there's no way that you and I, if we know Jesus, could be silent about that message. And yet many times we go through the Christmas season and when we check out at Walmart, we check out at Kohl's, We check out at whatever other store you're going to. We can't even bring ourselves to say Merry Christmas. Oh, my friends, at the end of it all, I have to remind us to look at what took place in verse 20. In verse 20, the Bible says, And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen as it was told unto them, friends, their hearts were filled with gratitude. Therefore, their feet moved and their mouths were opened with praise. What about you? What about you today? Are you like Zacharias? Are you still on the fence about the Christmas story? Maybe you deny and doubt. Are you like Mary? Unsure? Unsure of it all? Are you you like Joseph? You're accepting of the message and you're ready to move into action. Or are you like the shepherds who believed and broadcasted the message? Not only did they believe, the Bible says that they went out and they told everyone. They made known that saying which was told them concerning the child. In verse number 17, if I look at it again, it says they made known abroad. That means all throughout Bethlehem, all throughout that region, they went out and they started telling people, can you imagine that night? What do you want? Get away from my door. Leave me alone. No room at the end. They went abroad and they made the saying which was told them concerning the child. They started telling everyone in that whole region. They said, You don't, you're not gonna want to miss it. You're not gonna wanna miss it. Go on down here, take a left at the bush and go around. You'll find a little baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in an old-fashioned manger, probably just a hole dug out in the side of a mountain. You're going to find the baby, and this is Jesus Christ. This is the Son of God. This is the great glad tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. you got to go see Him right now. And you know Scripture's silent on how many people probably heard that message and went and saw him. Oh, are we like Zacharias? We like Mary, Joseph, the shepherds? Oh, listen, the angel's message in Luke chapter 2.11, once again, the angel said, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. If you look at that verse, leave that verse up there, guys. If you look at that verse... We see that Jesus, this Christ child, is our Savior. We see that He is the Christ. And we also see that He is Lord. The Bible tells us in Philippians chapter 2, whether you love it or hate it, it tells us that at one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Oh, my friends, don't miss... The wonderful supernatural message of Christmas. Oh, the angels' declaration, their plea, if you please, for peace is apparent to everyone then, just as it is apparent to you and I today. Oh, if we look around today, it's easy to become distressed. Anybody a little distressed today? If we look around, it's easy to allow ourselves to become a little fearful. Please remember, that's not God's desire for you. That's not His hope. That's not His desire for you and I to walk in fear. But I understand that it's easy to look around and see the sign of the times and look around all the things that are taking place and to become a little distressed, to become a little fearful. It's easy to look within ourselves and often this leads us to become depressed. Because when we look in ourselves, we say, there's nothing that I can do. Oh, yes, there is. You can let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Oh, my friends, don't look around. Don't look within. But I want to encourage you today, look to Jesus, the author and the Finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, the writer of Hebrews says, endured the cross, despising the shame. Why? Because God so loved the world. God so loved you, God so loved me, even while we were ungodly, (laughs) that's crazy, even while we were at war with God, God says, I'm sending my son to take care of it all. Oh, if you don't know Jesus, if you don't know the peace that passes all understanding, I want you to know that his offer is still valid today. You can still call out upon the name of the Lord and you can say, you know what? I realize I'm a sinner. I know that nobody has to tell me that. But Lord, I believe that you are who you say you are. I believe that you were sent from very God of very God. You were born of a virgin. You lived a sinless, spotless life. I believe that you died on that cross for my sins. I believe that you were buried. I believe that you rose again, conquering death, hell, and the grave. And Lord, I'm so thankful that you paid the penalty that I could never pay. If that's you today, you'll just call out upon the name of the Lord and admit that to Him and say, Lord... I'm asking you to come into my life and change me. I guarantee you that's exactly what he'll do. If you're here today and you're watching today and you lack peace in your life, you say, man, my life's filled with turmoil. Can I tell you that the only way that you'll move from turmoil to peace is to allow the Lord Jesus Christ to remain on the throne of your heart? You may have seen this saying before, and I think I gave it to you guys. The Bible. The saying goes like this, no God, no peace. No God, no peace. There's a difference. And I pray that you'll make the right choice today. That you will call out upon the name of the Lord. Whether you know Him, whether you don't. If you know Him, that you might ask the Lord to uh, rule and reign in your life the way He should. That you'll be committed to that. That you'll be accepting of that that you'll believe that. If you don't know Him, I pray that you'll call upon the name of the Lord and trust Him as your Savior. Father, we thank You for Your love. We thank You for Your goodness today. God, I thank You for the message, the declaration of peace that reminds each and every one of us that even through the role of the angels, God, You are revealing Yourself to us in such a supernatural and magnificent way. Lord, I pray that today You have been honored and glorified by our worship. I pray that we have presented ourselves as sacrifices holy and acceptable to You. Lord, I pray that in the coming days as we draw ever so close to the day in which we do celebrate Your birth, Lord, that our hearts might be unified. That our hearts might be uh, drawn closer to Thee, drawn closer to one another. and God, that we might Fall in love with your word. God, I pray that you'll have your will and your way during this time of invitation as we sing a song of invitation. God, I pray that we'll lift up our voices. God, that you'll hear from heaven. That not only will you hear and be pleased, but God, that you will see us and be pleased today with our worship. Lord, we love you. and We thank you for the precious promise of peace that we have through Jesus Christ, our Lord. For it's in his name that we do pray. And for his sake, amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like more information about our ministry, check out our website at battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you next time.